0: Right, so uh, Bill says he can't stay, uh, which is obviously also a very loaded way of saying get on with it, for God's sake.
1: Hello, I must be going. I came to say I cannot stay, I must be going.
0: Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And we are here uh, celebrating episode number 200 the double century
1: raising the bat towards the pavilion
0: we have reached (laughs) the
1: 200
0: we've got lots of people uh guesting here but they're all on mute but um they all kind of uh cheered and clapped and whooped there but uh hooray Hooray, there's one yay yeah (laughs) oh here they come oh no what what have you done dave i know it's anarchy now that's it um but yeah so we've got um we got uh a few of our Patreon's uh, have come along to witness um, this historic event, and um, so Heckle. we're going to. Yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> of course. Uh, can you remember? First of all, uh, first question for you, James. What year was the first ever Sitcom Geeks podcast? So I think we started in 2015. Is that right? It's correct. Ding. Yeah. Um, so uh, first five points to James. There. Yes. I mean, 20. I was. I was there. So yes, twenty fifteen. Can you remember, can you name the audience sitcoms that uh came out in two thousand and fifteen? That's the next that's a kind of leading question. Um, there's um trick it's a trick question by oh, the way.
1: Oh okay. Oh, were there not very many? <laughs> Try again. Um B- bit lower. <laughs>
0: oh, was there were there none? Was it there zero? No. No audience sitcoms, the year that we came out uh, in uh, 2015, um, but there have been some since, so we can try and take some of the credit for that. Um, <laughs> yes, I think it would be entirely misplaced, but we could try. Was. Yeah. But um, interesting, some of the shows that debuted the same year that we did, um, Car Share, wow. uh, Chewing Gum, yeah. and uh, and catastrophe all uh, all started in 2015, um, as well as um, Pompidou and uh, In and Out of the Kitchen, Miles Jupp's uh, radio transfer. So those two weren't as big successes. They obviously needed that uh, all magic uh, starting with C. Uh, yes. ingredient.
1: Yeah, who knew that was uh, what you needed to start in 2015 yeah. was uh, was 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 something beginning in C. Yeah.
0: So that's the next leading uh, question there James. What is a uh, what can you say links all those shows, Car Share, Chewing Gum Catastrophe, Pompidou, uh the Matt Lucas Silent Show and uh, Miles Jupp's in and out of the kitchen. Uh, I guess there's a similarity that the people who wrote them are in them. Broadly that's correct. speaking, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. that's another kind of introductory point. So, this time seven years ago, all the sitcoms that were coming out were non audience and they were all uh, written by the people who were in them. So, um, I thought I'd start with that nice, uh, <laughs> slightly nice jolly, depressing, yeah, yeah, jolly breezy point. But uh, the, the things are changing a little bit, do you think, James? Or, uh, I mean, I think that they're. Um, in some ways uh they're improving and there have been more audience sitcoms and there have been more sitcoms written by people who just actually uh write but um what that those were the kind of two big things that i noticed as we've started to kind of um yeah think think about this episode so do, do you have a what what's your what's your big takeaway from when we first started to now Um, I was probably
1: more successful when we started. (laughs) So I had a sitcom on the television called Bluestone 4-2. I think it was on series three by that point, I I think. Um, But I, I knew at the time that getting a sitcom on the television is incredibly hard and had taken me, you know, basically 10 years and it might take me another 10 years to get another sitcom on the television. Well, I'm still on course, <laughs> 10 years after the last one. Uh, estimated time to get one on is 2025. Um, so in a way, getting stuff on is really hard. It's all still very competitive. And in one sense, I don't know, the, 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 because of the number of channels competing for viewers and eyeballs, it makes them ever more keen to grab something that's going to bring its own audience with it. And the thing about shows with writer performers in, if your sitcom's got Lee Mack in it, or Sarah Millican, um, or or Kevin Bridges, or um, you know someone who can fill a fill a very large venue, it's probably going to be much more likely to be commissioned than the previous you know thing that used to happen in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, which was usually two blokes who went to school together became comedy writers. Um, And then wrote a play. And then a BBC producer saw it and it became a sitcom. And then they basically wrote five more sitcoms before they retired. Um, So that's kind of, that's different. I don't think it's worse necessarily. We've got a probably much greater variety of comedy on than we previously did. And much, many more voices, much more representation. And also the fact we are a different country from what we were. Sort of 50 50 years ago, anyway, but you know, even from 2015, things Mm. seem quite different now, don't they, from seven years
0: ago? (laughs) Very much so. And I mean, what so I've been going through the um, various um, British Comedy Guide charts of you know, sitcoms from uh, 10 years ago and uh, 20 years ago and and new shows. And um, interestingly, in 2005, something like there were only something like about 20. Uh, new shows uh, that that made their debut compared to sort of forty new uh, narrative shows, mm. um, but then in uh, two thousand fifteen it was something like uh, sixty. So mm. the point you just made there, which is that there are there are more channels and mm. that there is more stuff being made, but there is definitely more more of a kind of scattergun feel to it, um, and 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 you know there there are more uh that that the, the 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 companies are looking for sort of different ways to to try and get stuff on and they you know they they are looking um bad news for you and me james i suppose they are looking a little bit beyond the white middle class male um who has written 99% of everything for the last um, 50 <laughs> yeah. years um yeah. and um you know we can't really well i can't really complain about yeah. that
1: and that um, would partly explain why, uh, since 2015, I've written two books, uh, two stage shows, script edited a CBBC show, uh, written an episode or two of Citizen Khan, and a UK gold show called The Rebel, um, and an episode of Shakespeare and Hathaway. So in a way, there is still work out there um, for people like me, and you know, incre- increasingly non-profit making things like writing books. Um, so you know, there is a way of making it work, um, but uh, but yeah, it's different. Uh, and so getting getting a show off the ground is is hard, but I think it's always been hard, but it just feels like there's more competition. By the way, Gary uh, on the chat has just asked me uh, if I've spent all my earnings from Bluestone, which is a, mo- a moot point really, I suppose. <laughs> um, I guess the fact that I've got an office here in my house would suggest that I have spent most of it because, you know, it sort of went on the mortgage and doing things I couldn't have done before. Um, and uh, Mike has asked whether Jerry Sadovitz, the sitcom is bringing <laughs> is bringing an audience with it, a show that commissions and cancels itself. I think that is that sitcom, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that, what that a one
1: stop shop. I mean, that's got Heil Honey, I'm Home written all over it, hasn't it?
0: <laughs> Well, he did do a series on uh, Channel Five, actually, uh, Jerry, back in back in the day. Show yes, the Paul, it wasn't a sitcom. The Paul but... Bearers Review. No, it wasn't, and yeah. I'm not sure he would do it. Well, well, I, you know, I think he would be. Uh, I think someone could do a sitcom with him. Uh, it would just be uh, about his uh, magic because he's a he's a great actor and um, when he doesn't swear and when he's not mean and nasty, uh, he does the most incredible show. Yeah, and when he's the, it's a, it's, would anyone
1: like to write a sitcom with him? Um, it doesn't sound much fun.
0: No, no. I'm
1: sure no, he's um, not like that in real life. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> he is. Oh, OK. Right. Is he like that in real life? I don't know. Not at
0: all. No, he's one of the nicest people uh in, okay. in the comedy world. Um which am um, you know people yeah. people think I'm joking when I say that, but actually that that's um yeah. he was he was and and you know, he was the first one to be uh, way ahead of all the sort of um Stuart Lee and people like that. It 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 was a construct. His character is yeah. a construct. Yeah. And yes, he says Absolutely horrible, terrible things. But um, the, the the person that I think I mentioned in the last uh, podcast that you know the person that he hates more than anyone about everything is himself, and yeah. that's the kind of that's what you come away with. Yeah. But you also come away feeling deeply hurt and, and yeah. wounded and you know what if whatever you might be yeah. you know you might be a woman for instance or you might be a, a, a black person or a jew or you yeah. know or called dave he used to do a lot of stuff about guys called dave um <laughs> oh, dave's a dave is boring all daves yeah. are boring that was a that was a, yeah. i don't know why i remembered that but yeah I I no idea <laughs> but you know that that was the problem was like yeah. you come away and you know like it wasn't just oh he was very mean about that me he was it's just like he was really angrily personal against me for being a woman or a black person or Jewish or whatever or working class and uh, you know so you can't you you can't kind of come away with a kind of Feel e- good.
1: Yeah. yeah. Either way, Jerry Sadovitz, the sitcom, seems unlikely to be commissioned. <laughs> I don't think
0: it's going to happen. In the no, next sorry. 18 months. We digress. Uh, we digress.
1: Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, just going back to about um, studio sitcoms and everything as well, um, and the paucity of the number on TV or whatever, I think also it's worth saying that it feels like there's less room on radio than there used to be as well for scripted comedy and non-writer performer comedy. It felt like I was particularly fortunate to get in on that before that door got smaller and slightly harder to open uh, by getting in there with Think the Unthinkable in 1999, I think it was, um, and then Hut 33. Um, and I still do Milton show. I've done obviously some of the plenty of those in the last um, seven years as well, but um, it feels like the amount of scripted comedy, they, they still do lots, you know, as it were, but they used to do loads and now they just do quite a lot, I think. Um, is that fair? I don't know. It just feels like you could graduate from that topical comedy thing onto your own sitcom. And I remember at one point, you know, I was doing one, Mark Evans was doing Bleak Expectations, Lawrence Howarth was doing, um, oh, Rigor Mortis. Well, yeah, I
0: they, uh, You know,
1: John Finnemore yeah, was about to get going with, um, with uh, cabin pressure and it just felt like this is something that's you know that's a thing and it just feels like that particular thing has um been been squeezed as well
0: yeah i i agree and and in fact all those um well shane that mentioned parties over which is one of the uh more recent uh yeah. sitcoms but that uh, again there was um the party wasn't there that was the original um right. version of that um but also at that time you know i was i was writing for radio again when we when we started I, um, my show that I was doing had been doing for fifteen years, finished in about two thousand and nineteen so mm. and i haven't had any radio work since then um, and I think it is true and, we, and also when we started out. We could say quite blithely, well, you know, if you want to make it in uh, comedy, the quickest way in is writing topical jokes, and then you'll get to know the people at radio, etc. And... That it still applies that there are yep. now topical, there are still topical shows. There is that is still a way in, but it's not. It's a much harder way in than it was. You know, yeah. as we say, like you say, the way you started, the way I started, lots, lots of people: Simon Blackwell, Georgia Pritchard, Tony Roach, mm. all those people. They all started that way, and pretty quickly they were being commissioned to write for lots of other shows. Yeah. So they, they were in there and earning enough to be able to quit day jobs and stuff yeah. from doing tons and tons of stuff on radio. And so that, that, yeah. that unfortunately that, that has gone a little bit by the wayside, I think what-, what Could, is... Can I just ask on that? Can we just check on, check on that? Um, so Dan
1: it has been doing that for a while. If you want to unmute yourself and ask, do, do you think, has there been much change in the opportunities uh, in the last, you know, uh, seven years? Uh, you know, you've been doing it for a while uh is is it still a good way in writing topicals for for the new radio 4 shows
2: i I think it's a good way it's a good way in but as dev says there's (laughs) it's not any money (laughs) there's not really any much money in it but i think the process is the same you impress the producers you approach the producers you they've all got their own independent radio companies now the producers that i worked a lot with at the bbc um but it's still a lot of chasing, sending scripts to to all of them. So yeah. I think the process is the same, but I think there was, from what Dave's saying, there was more opportunity and there was more money in it that you you could actually live off that. Whereas it's pretty much impossible now without a, right. a, a, a proper proper quote, job on the on the sidelines.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, the money's sort of the same, but obviously you're you're. It doesn't make it doesn't earn you the same money. So it's
2: breaking the news is the same per gag as when I started coincidentally in 2015 <laughs> right <laughs> seven years it hasn't gone up yeah the, the um
0: and and i think it's the same as what i was getting for a gag on weekending in 1983 when i started i think what is changing a little bit with radio and it has potential to change now i think is that um audio has received this sort of massive kind of you know kick up the backside through things like um, spotify and and, and um Audible books and, and there is starting to be now a little bit more of a kind of you know Radio 4 was the only place in town that anyone yeah. could do comedy at all and so yeah the money has gone from doing mm. that but there are now more places and I think as Spotify uh, goes more and more into things like audio books and as audio books go more and more into having more than one voice you know and mm. that there, there, there's you've already got those sort of companies like big finish that do kind of big huge series of you know 20 episodes of a doctor who series or something and yeah. uh i think that might be uh a, a, an area that 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 will develop do you think is that happening dan are you aware of that
2: yeah yeah well people can make their own stuff as well that's that's the big change is podcasts as per this year. <laughs> You can sit in a room and be funny. I mean, not everyone wants to listen to people trying to be funny in a room, but you can make your own stuff. I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised not many people make sitcoms as
3: podcasts. Yeah, I thought there'd be Um, more. It seems to be like. Can I um, make a point, Um, Andrew? I started writing in mid '90s, and everybody that I knew at the BBC have subsequently gone on and made their own production company working with Audible. Hmm. The big one being D- uh, Dirk Maggs, right. who now is responsible for the, the recent Sandman stuff on Audible. Um, and even little producers, like a friend of mine, uh, Barney Eaton-Jones, who has just produced uh, the radio version of Chelmsford 123 with, um, uh, with the hat trick. Um, th- th- none of them are going towards being on radio at all. They, you know, they're just doing it privately for either, you know, private sales or to sell on platforms like Audible. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah. that's really interesting. And actually, it, it, the way things are at the moment, like Big Finish and those some of the things you've mentioned uh, there, Stephen, it, uh, it's it feels like it still heavily lends itself to genre, in particular science fiction and um, and those sorts of things. But actually, um, just going over to uh, Peter. Uh, who made his own science fiction sitcom, which was fantastic and funny. And he uh, crowdf- he won our competition and then crowdfunded a pilot and then, um, and then tried to get a second one going, but it didn't quite um, take in the same way. And he just says on the chat, he was surprised by how small the audience was for podcast sitcoms. It's one of those things where because it's not done, people aren't looking in that space for it. Um, so I think that's quite a good point is that people don't, it's hard to create, to, to pour your heart and soul into creating an original audio product if, if you're not sure that people are looking for it in the way that they're looking for YouTube videos. You know, it feels like uh, the search
3: of. Perhaps you know, the answer God. is that the, the, it does need to be genre based as well, because yeah. it's it things like Welcome to the Night Vale, which right. has just been a podcast and it just exploded, absolutely exploded. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, uh, in fact, Peter mentions that uh, there. And um I, I I think that's this is one of those things where and, and people have tried to make um radio, um online sitcoms. There have been quite a few, not just Peter's one. Before that there was the um wooden overcoats uh, the, the set set in a funeral parlour and that, that ran for about three or four series. But I think it I think it's um the amount of work uh, and and as as you say, um the um you know, the, the fact that not many people are listening. But I think something something will come along in, I think, like the yeah. way that um, Fifty Shades of Grey came along and uh, no nobody was interested at all in uh, books that were published, that were self-published or independently published. And then suddenly this book comes along that sells bazillions um, mm. and... Independent publishing becomes a thing, and I, I, I suspect, you know, and it's something that we should probably think, talk a little yeah. bit about in a in a future episode, James, because I do, yeah. I, I think it is, uh, it does have potential to be a big thing in the yeah. future.
1: I mean, I've never mentioned it um, on this podcast before, I don't think, but I'm I make a podcast um, for a church-based organization called Faith in Kids, and so it's me and a, um uh, and another guy making stuff that's sort of family friendly that's sort of bible based and stuff and then i write a sketch um based on the bit of the bible and then i get actors to record it quite often on their own where they are occasionally we get a studio and then i kind of add sound effects which are all you know you can get really good sound effects for free that are public domain and i just sort of tinker around with it and if i may say it sounds pretty good um and it's not that hard and i and i do it because i get paid to do it to make it for the people and and so but it's interesting that it's not technically very difficult but at the moment I think yeah that one thing is that it's hard to put your heart and soul into an audio comedy because you just you just don't think that anyone's really going to find it um and that and in in a way that's the thing that I'm always wrestling with is because I'm such a um uh contrarian and a self-starter i, I just disagree. think. <laughs> well you would um mm-hmm. i um i always just think well i can make it myself i can do it myself i know people i can get stuff done i've got technical expertise and actually th- you're always having to balance that with how can i spend time and energy getting into other people's networks or you know getting a commission uh because they're going to put it in front of other people and so it's always finding that balance between making your own stuff and, and putting it in front of other people to, for it to be,
3: have a much wider audience. Go on, Stephen. Well, the process isn't too dissimilar. So During lockdown, the company that I'm a director for um, re- released a podcast, a 12-episode podcast called Viral Murders. And we did that because we were funded by the National Lottery to do it. Mm. Um, so we got, we got paid for it. We got paid for it up front. So it's possible to do it. There's there's things out there, but you have to be able to go and do it and have the yeah. the motivation to go and do it in the first place, and that's not always easy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Some yeah. of my favourite words there: paid for it up front. I, <laughs> I, lo-
3: I, lo- I love
0: that phrase. Yeah. That's another <laughs> phrase that from uh, 2015 that you don't you don't hear so much, uh, yeah. along with audience sitcom. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I bet actually we should get Danny Robbins on here because his yeah. I think he his whole kind of uh ghost business yeah. Uh, has has taken off phenomenally and i'm pretty sure that was that began with him it's just just a subject that interested him mm. and it, it sort of he it, it started as his hobby i th- i'm pretty yeah. sure and now it is a yeah. big thing radio four they've got uh west End shows they've got yeah. big name actors doing it Broadway and you know it's he it's did become, a um
1: yeah he yeah. did a podcast um but actually before that i remember he did he did a radio show for Channel 4 Radio. Do you remember? For about nine and a half hours, Channel 4 had a radio station. (laughs) I don't know what I mean. It was just like, by the time you figured out how to listen to it, they'd stop doing it. I think That's probably one of the things that has changed, particularly for me, as opposed to you in terms of the advice that I give. So seven years ago, I would have been relatively robust in saying don't bother making your own stuff. Uh, It's a distraction, it takes too long, it's hard to make it look good, all that kind of stuff. And I think I've sort of finally succumbed to saying, you should definitely make your own stuff. But equally, what I would say is, um, it needs to be consistent and sustainable, and it doesn't have to be uh, a YouTube video, it doesn't have to be an audio podcast, it could be a regular blog. You know, there's this thing called reading um, that's been a, th- been a thing for a while. People still like to read. So if you can turn up and just do a really funny blog every week uh, consistently, with a character maybe that could have a life of its own, um, then then that would be worth doing. You know, if you can tweet, there's Moose Alain we spoke to a while back, who uh, is a, a Patreon member or used to be anyway. Um, you know, it. he got a he got a lot of um, cartooning work
0: through being really good on Twitter, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just uh, he just put stuff out there regularly. Yeah. Um, coincidentally, on the next episode, we're talking to Gemma uh, Gemma the great sketch writer and she uh mentioned um, dan, danny's uh, old writing partner dan tetzel who used to do a, a, a blog uh, uh, dad's army fan fiction which uh, just the just that idea made me laugh but um i think that's um that's a fair point but also i, I another reason an, an, another thing to say about you should make stuff is to say actually you know you should get to know people who make Mm. stuff as well because I think that's the 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 big change that I noticed when I was uh, in Edinburgh a couple of weeks ago and 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 the more I see of it the more I think it is the case I I I wouldn't go as far as say you know stand-up is finished but I mean stand-up was dealt a very very big blow by COVID and it hasn't hasn't got back yet to what it was mm. it was already kind of a little bit in the doldrums before Covid it was already a bit like the uh, the Premier League uh you know you had a, like half a dozen or so brilliantly successful people and, mm. and everybody else scrabbling around for the for the um, you know the scraps mm. but I think now that the people who are Doing well in Edinburgh, and the people who will do well, and the people the buzz is about, are the people who are doing two-minute sketches online, and um, the the difference between um, you know going up to a stand-up and saying, would you can I write jokes for you, and and writing jokes for them, which is fine, but then if you go up to somebody who's making sketches and say, can I write sketches for you, you actually learn. Um, A lot more about the writing process and i think that's for me that's the big thing as well that i've gone away from being mr optimist hey everybody you know just write the brilliant script or make it through doing topical comedy etc etc but actually you know you've just got to get better as a writer that's the, the the thing we have most control over is make becoming better writers so that we can mm. write better sitcoms and, mm. the, and and just as a novelist learns to write by writing short stories, I think a comedy writer learns to write by writing sketches and I, so I think that is definitely and there are lots of people out there somebody mentioned in the uh, in, in, in the chat troy Hawk who uh, was a great great funny character uh performer uh, rosie Rosie holt we mentioned um, the guys um larry and paul uh, the leads guys very funny stuff they do there's a lot of people out there and there's a lot of pressure on the writer performers because of the algorithms you know you can't you can't just have a couple of funny sketches you have to have a lot of funny you know you have to make more and a lot of people burn out and i think they're going to need more writers as time goes on mm. so i think i Again, it's not you know. There's no quick route um, to success um, now, but I think that that getting to know how to write by writing sketches for people online is is, is going to be the way forward. I think for the certainly the next couple of years at least. Yeah, and Just yeah. coming back to radio, um,
2: I mean the opportunities dwindled. But at the moment, there's four open subs programs on radio, mm. which is unheard of even in the 90s. Mm. So there's um, noises, noises up, Noising Up is starting on BBC Scotland, which is going to run concurrently with Breaking News for a few weeks because it's a half-eleven slot rather than the normal comedy slot. Breaking the News, obviously, and then you've got DMs are open, I assume we'll be coming back fairly soon. That,
0: that's the in-house BBC Radio news show, yeah, replaced News Jack.
2: The Skewer as well, so there's four things to write for on the radio, so the opportunities are still there. There's more of them, if anything, at the moment. Mm.
0: But the difference is, say, for instance, if you are um, writing, you want you want to have a go at writing topical comedy. And let's say you want to, uh, you've got the skewer and uh, breaking the news on at a, kind of the same time. You know the amount of work you have to do for this for breaking the news. You know there's like three days of nonstop. They send out briefs and they want you know they want as many jokes as possible from you. You have to churn out the jokes for that. And the skewer is, um, you know, you are kind of making the, the the thing yourself, even if it's not the finished product, what you make. You're the one who's... You're kind of getting all the... Uh, having yeah. to get all the clips to make the whole thing work. So it's like... And, and it's over the weekend. So, you know... That, that for, said... His, forget his, having a life if you have to do that. Well,
1: yes, but here is my increasing refrain on this podcast. Nobody asked you to do that. Do you know what I mean? It's like nobody... Uh, no, nobody's forcing you to do any of the above and if you do that you'll get better at it and B it's great that it, the bar is quite high because it wheedles out an awful lot of time wasters so you know there there are upsides to there being a high level you know of um, of of what's expected of you to write for those shows because most people give up great!
2: <laughs> no, one of the benefits of the skewer <laughs> is there are no actors so you <laughs> can make the stuff your, If if John doesn't want it doesn't mean you can't make it and put it on social media. Yeah. It's an audio sketch you've written, you've created without any you don't have to pay any actors yeah. for a start, George but you don't have to Lucas worry about knowing dream, actors. Isn't it
0: George Lucas's dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I think that's fair enough. But I, I, I think then you you know you so you have to have a kind of long term uh, view of things. So you kind of I think and Dan and Eleanor I think you would probably agree with me on this that you know if you're on a six week run of breaking the news or a 10 week run um you're you're kind of not doing anything else you're you're saving you're putting that sitcom in the drawer because in terms mm. of the amount of time do 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 you manage to do, do get other stuff done when you're writing for that
4: not so much I mean I was talking to Joe the other day who I write with on those topical shows and she said it's like having a second job isn't it <laughs> it kind of that doesn't pay um very well but um it is then you know when I think of the hours that we tot up each week well I try not to add it up because I probably get very depressed and start rocking in the corner but um it is it is a lot of work you do have to put a lot of hours into it yeah so um I guess when those shows are on yeah I'm not working so much on the old sitcom thing but there's always something rumbling in the background if a competition pops up and you think oh well, I'll tweak that for that competition yeah mm.
1: and can you feel yourself improving over that time as well though
4: Eleanor what in terms of writing on the topical yeah just getting things. better at it. oh oh yeah well I like to think so yeah, yeah. just that the, the more you're doing it and because you're treating it like a job and trying to have that hat on as you sit down to it. it it does just make you get better at it if you tell yourself you're taking it seriously
1: yeah yeah go on dan sorry i cut you off there um you have to you have to it's
2: not even want to do it you have to need to be a writer i, I think I, I think that's what it is I mean, what ellie's saying there is if you're not a lead writer on breaking the news you have to treat it as though you are a lead writer that's the level of input you've got to put in it and and if you want to be a commissioned writer for one of the bbc the other bbc shows you have to act like a commission writer from the off it's not just write three jokes and send them in you might get some on and if all you want to do is get a credit that's fair enough but if you want to be a writer you need to act like a writer and, and write a lot
0: and um i th- I think again this is something that um the the changing of expectations I think over the years that's something that that has changed i mean not not just for you and me James although um I think our our expectations have uh, changed a little bit um in terms of our own uh, writing but but I do think that you know that you kind of have to look at it as a long ter- very much as a long term plan and you know not be kind of thinking all right, so kind of next year, and I'll be writing for breaking the news. So that means I can give up my job. Uh, No, you know, five years, think, think three, four, five years ahead, really, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which reminds me of the Bill Gates thing. It may be Bill Gates, it's probably someone else that you overestimate what you can do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in in five years or 10 years. I think that's, that's good to uh, keep in mind. Um, The thing I was gonna say was about sort of development really and and for me, one of the big changes that I'm noticing is um, the fact that there is now a proliferation of TV production companies in the way that there wasn't so much, I think seven years ago. So in 2015, it was, you know, as you you mentioned channel four, which started out commissioning independent production companies. And that began the independent sector in in the nineties because up until that point, the BBC made programs for the BBC. Nobody else made them for the BBC. Um, ITV had the regions, you know, they had Tyne Tees in Yorkshire and stuff, some of them making sitcoms that were then networked um, on ITV. Um, for some reason, the, the, the legacy of that, there's a sitcom called Constant Hot Water that I I keep remembering. Side. ...with
3: constant hot water ...with lounge on the keyside ...with constant hot water
1: uh, that was set in a bed and breakfast you know and it was a real proper wobbly set um low budget um itv region sitcom but there were loads like that and there was like home yeah. to roost and stuff like that. do you remember that with
0: john thor well if i, I just uh, i went back to 1995 when i was kind of doing this kind of 10 years ago 20 years ago thing and uh, there was a sitcom that i had vaguely remembered called uh, faith in the future which oh. starred uh, linda bellingham um and, Julia Swallow, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, I, I, I was pretty sure it was an audience sitcom. I thought I better just double check, um, and so I watched. I found a clip on YouTube and watched it, and the first minute, you know, there was there was no laugh at all, and I thought. I'm sure it's a studio sitcom. <laughs> eventually, after about a minute and a half, you heard a little sort of chuckle yeah. from the audience. Ah, yes, yes, it was a studio. Oh my word! So, um, kind of the, the, the standards back then were not quite as, uh, as well. Straight. Yeah, they.
1: I mean, thing is that there are there are plenty of other shows that are on TV that in within their genre aren't much good either. But so we transitioned from that. ITV network thing into the independent production company and then in a way when I was getting started it just felt like there were eight production companies that made all the comedy outside of the BBC and that was Hattrick and Talkback and Tiger Aspect and you know then Objective turned up with Peep Show and you know but it was Baby Cow yeah yeah but in a way you sort of knew who who you were going to be taking your sitcom script to or your idea to in the hope that they would commission a pilot script especially if you've had stuff on TV in the past before like what I have but the but the the reason I mention it is because now the ex, talking about the expectations are changing virtually every time you read broadcast magazine should you read broadcast magazine it basically says a TV commissioner called whatever <laughs> has gone to set up their own independent production company. And so they don't have any development money. They, they don't want to pay you to write a script. And so now you've got loads and loads and loads and loads of independent production companies, many of which were run by people with plenty of industry experience, but no development budget. So where are these pilot scripts going to come from? Well, people like me are gonna end up writing them. So, you know, I'm writing, I'm working on a whole bunch of sitcom ideas at the moment, um, having really decided to get back on the horse uh, properly. And I'm writing scripts uh, because I have no real confidence that anyone's gonna pay me to write them. But, you know, there's always a conversation to be had there, but I might as well get on with one, one now. But it just feels like that's new. And if it's any consolation for people listening, or is that discouraging? I don't know. Even if you get some some measurable degree of success by having a TV show on, unfortunately, the same rules apply to me as they do to you. So
0: that that's good, isn't it? I don't know. Help. Yeah, I I, I think it is. What I've been thinking about this last sort of week or so about, about how it um, how it's playing out, and what it reminds me of now is when I. Quit being a stand up in the mid 90s and try to write screenplays, um, as everyone here, I'm sure, uh, has several in their bottom drawer. There was the kind of excitement of possibility about it, but you know, you knew exactly there were, I don't know. 40 movies made in Britain every year and um, 30 of them were, were kind of tied in with, with big names or box office, whatever. The rest were adaptations and then occasionally two or three would come through by new people. But that was a, kind a story, of enough. A
1: story of some plucky underdogs who yeah. start a choir, um, <laughs> s- start a strip thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's always that kind of thing, isn't it?
0: Well, that was the the uh, guys who ran, uh, who did the um, close sliding doors movie um, with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. They were I knew them because they had been on the the comedy circuit, Grimmer yeah. Brothers, um, for a couple of years, and they left that and they said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna do our we're gonna get a movie made." Uh, oh yeah, yeah, of course you are. Um, and sure enough, they uh, they did manage to um, you know. They, they did yeah. actually manage to do it so there is that kind of almost lottery feel yeah. which is in some ways it's a shame yeah there's, we, we don't have an industry in the way that we did have if we ever did have an industry then again there are more possibilities you know and you and I James both know more people now who are getting work in America for instance yeah, yeah. and you know so there are British people Making successful shows in America, like Succession, yeah. for instance. Yeah. So, and they're also you know.
1: making unsuccessful ones, which are still quite profitable if you yeah. go to America. Um, yeah. I would happily make an unsuccessful show in America um, because, you know, uh, the, the, you, you still do all right out of that. Um, and you learn a lot and you get some great anecdotes as well. So, but I think, again, it's a, a theme that's emerged recently, I've said it a few times, is that pe- people still want to watch television and laugh. That's not going away. So it doesn't feel like we're wasting our time by wanting to write scripted comedy, however it's understood as comedy drama, comedy narrative, whatever form it is. And you know, I'd imagine for most of us listening to this show, comedy sitcom is probably still our first love. And we want to recreate those great ones that we watched uh, when we were growing up. Not only do do people still want to watch TV and laugh, new shows are being made all the time. You know, Dave just put out four pilots um, the other day and, you know, there are lots not of me. new shows. Not me. Yes, Dave the Channel, not Dave Cohen. Um, And... I wish. As, as you would expect, you know, every year new shows are launched. And every year, most of them aren't very good. And they don't get recommissioned. And next year, they commission a new bunch. Um, So it's not as if there's no way in, in terms of, like, they're not making any new stuff. So there are plenty of reasons to be cheerful. But I guess it feels you know more competitive even than it did in 2015 which was pretty competitive um and the internet is is sort of changing uh, everything in in lots of lots of strange ways Dan had a um, interesting observation about how we used to talk about characters and now we talk about plots do you want to say a bit more about that Dan I, I just
2: Remember, it was not just you guys. It was any writing course you went on. It was all the story. It's all about character. It's all about character. Mm. And it turns out we can do characters. And as you found out from the two sitcom competitions you've written, we have problems with stories and finishing yeah. the stories <laughs> off. And that's what I've seen Like when I'm like editing yeah. people's scripts or just giving notes for people's scripts. It's the story that's a problem, really. Not, yeah. the, the, But that seemed to, over the course of seven years, have occurred to us all at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I think the standard of scripts that one maybe sees now might be better in some ways than it was seven years ago. I think people are learning the lessons and the character is really important, but actually it turns out that the way that character is expressed through plot is way harder to get right uh, than one might think. I'm now much happier with some characters I've got on this sitcom I, I wrote over the summer, but I've only just realized on Friday, um last week oh it's
0: boring though the story itself is boring (laughs) is this the one that doesn't have a joke till page 17 or something well it hang on it it
1: had jokes until page 17 they just weren't relevant okay and they weren't about characters we were ever going to care about but yeah no it is that one i I think i fixed it but then i've realized oh i fixed it but it's now just kind of boring so i better add some um I better add some set piece scenes and just sort of
2: what's what's boring like... is it is it the story that's boring or the characters that are boring
1: no the, so the, i think the characters are really good but i've kind of smoothed it out too much for them and so i had to go back and it sort of it was i'd got as far as a scene by scene and i thought you know what that kind of works so i got halfway through making the scene by scene and just thought
0: oh it feels a bit flat oh bigger consequences yeah yeah the way i've progressed on that Point of view from over the seven years is yeah i've always said a character 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 but i, and I think uh, and, and eleanor said in the chat a good character might get you a meeting but the story and plotting has to be gold too but what we're forgetting with our plotting is that the plot has to be character driven and that's mm. why that's so uh, we're still not quite getting the characters right because you get to this that very tricky point in the story as we all do um kind of usually somewhere towards the end of act two where something something needs to happen something big needs to happen and you know occasionally we'll crowbar in something from the, for, for, for no reason or there'll be a you know kind of a deus ex machina if i have pronounced that correctly or you know i can kind of you know some a, a machine from the gods uh, you know something that happens to change things and and you know we, we uh, it comes back to the character it has to be the character who makes that thing happen because that's the flaw in them and it has to be that makes things really bad and it has to be them again that gets them out of the thing not to learn but to just reset for the next episode and i think that that's so it is still it is still character i think um but the, yeah, the, the, but the, the bad plot is the result of the not quite absolutely nailed character. Yes, I think that's maybe that's probably
1: true, at least not using the character to solve your plot, 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 plot problems. And to be honest, that was probably in the very first episode of this podcast is um, the is it Jack Rosenthal, not Jim Rosenthal. He's the ITV sports guy, wasn't he? Uh, Jack Rosenthal, Like the answer to your you know, problems is probably in the character
0: yeah the character will always get you out yeah. the, the character is always the answer you know what is yeah. the, what is the problem what's the what's the pro- plot problem that you've yeah. got at the end there that the answer is uh something to do with the character so, yeah yeah yeah
1: but, but i think in a way that then throws up the 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 last sort of big issue that's presented itself in the last seven years in particular is the um story arc story drama uh comedy drama um plot twists and that kind of thing and it's really tricky and i've just started watching um this is us which uh, oh, right. is on prime which is which actually i think started in 2016 but you know it's i've only watched the first two but it's quite clever in at the end it just at the end of the first two episodes it goes ah you thought it was this but actually yeah. here's a big reveal and then which i actually I have to say after the first one i thought I don't know whether I actually enjoyed that. And it feels like that that was a bit of a trick. Um,
0: I I did, I stopped watching, but my wife carried on and she has, she, and and kind of, it became her sort of lockdown, they you know, yeah. got her through lockdown was, like, yeah. oh my God, there's a, they've made a new episode of This Is Us and it's about the lockdown, you know. So, like, yeah. yeah. With all that. So, yeah, but I think, um well, I, I've, I've just finished running a, a series of uh, emails uh, that I, I do this occasionally. I've done a whole thing about comedy drama. I spoke to Simon Nelson, who's the executive producer at BBC Writers Room, because um, they've got this comedy drama script they're asking for in November. And I asked him for the kind of definitive... Um, you know what what are you looking for that you're not looking that that the BBC comedy department isn't looking for and and um, you know they are pretty um, that, that that's the one good thing that's happened recently I think as well is that the BBC comedy department has very clearly defined what it means by comedy. Now it means, and they they've got four types of sitcom: um, sort of broad sitcom, which I suppose something like it, sort of Mrs Brown's Boys not going out would would be that uh, family sitcom, um, like that one, the new one with um, uh, uh, Jim Howick. I forgot what yeah. it's called, um, and then um, young young sitcom, uh, and then. You Know you're so famous, you get to choose what you make. Sitcom, <laughs> and, and that's uh, people like Mackenzie Crook and um, the uh, League of Gentlemen uh, people. Um, yeah, Gary Thomas has said, How about a Mrs. Brown's Boys Not Going Out mashup? No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> not uh, n- not my cup of tea, that I think that would be uh, but um, yeah, so th- there's um, um, that, and they talk about them very much being you know, no char- no arc yeah. you know, this is self contained nothing moves on um, it's just um, and each episode yeah. finishes and ends and the characters in the same place at the beginning as they are at the end and that's you know, and and what Simon is is saying is, yeah, obviously that's a very clear thing. We do expect a little bit of movement. He said, but what we're what they're really interested in is yeah. voice, and that's the thing we've we've discussed a lot. We can discuss it again, I think, in another episode. You know, it's your know, distinctive distinctive voices. Yeah. It's the kind of thing. It's very hard to know what it is, but I know when we were doing the uh, hat trick competition earlier this year. James and I both picked up on one particular script that was quite flawed, but we both really th- thought it was unusual, the, the writing was very unusual, and the, Patrick weren't going to include it, and we we kind of fought to keep it in there, because we just felt this person has got a really interesting take on things, and I think yeah. that's, it's finding finding your voice, which yeah. is, you know... The sum total that, of you. Yeah, really. and that applies, all, again, all
1: the way along the line. So as I've been coming up with whole loads of ideas uh, to be pitching um, over the autumn, I've actually gone through and just put a line through a load of ideas, which are basically, nobody wants me to write that show. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, here's yeah. an idea for a show. This could work. Yeah, but nobody wants you to write it. If I thought of a new Call the Midwife or something, or if I optioned some book that was really good Um, And it's like, yeah, but nobody would want me to do that. That's not what I do. They would want from the writer of, you know, Miranda and Bluestone 4-2 and stuff. It's just like, so just just give people the kind of show that they want someone like you to pitch them so that they can then pitch it at the network um, rather than me just saying, I've got this amazing idea Um, because they're getting pitched amazing ideas all the time um so yes mike on the chat says call the mid husband <laughs> very good um i don't know what you call a male midwife um so maybe they're called Ms. husbands i don't know um i so, think they're out
0: and proud midwives actually i think we had one a male midwife okay on the, on the ward once but okay uh, fair yeah. enough
1: let's not let's not get you into know. that no. um <laughs> so um yeah so i think it's just a question of self-knowledge what are you what are you into and passionate about so that when you do get that meeting you can say um well this is something i'm really interested in i've got experience of and this is why it's relevant now you know why this why now why you just comes around around again and it's 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 really important because your idea has to stand out and i think that's something that again one sees a bit when people are pitching ideas or you're reading scripts and you talk to the person about it and in a way it's just like, well, there's no reason why they would commission you to do this script because it's just, it's it's a bunch of people in a situation <clears throat> and not much is happening. Ah, oh, yes, but in episode two, we're gonna do this. And then episode three, this is gonna happen. There is no episode two, you know what I mean? Unless episode one is better, episode two doesn't exist. So whatever that, that episode two thing sounds brilliant. Put it in episode one. Um, you know, so I think you just want to make sure that, and that's going back to this as us. I just thought it feels like they've thrown a lot at episode one, on the bait, and then at the end of episode two, there's a really nice twist as well. I just thought, oh, that's great, um, and, and you just think, oh, they're going to burn through a whole load of stuff here. But it's like, yeah, keep burning because you know you you've got to keep feeding this uh, machine. Um, that's the thing I really learned from Stephen McCrum, who got Um, who got Bluestone on television, as well as Mrs. Brown's Boys on television. You know, he was really clear on just saying, you know, what's the grab? How are you gonna absolutely grab your audience by the scruff of the neck and and just, and pull them in uh, to your world? And if you can't really do that, if you just say, oh, well, it's a nice original idea that's nicely written. It's like, well, if you're Russell T. Davis, you could probably do that. Um, And even then people would go, Russell, nobody wants you to write this kind of thing. Um, can you not write something that's more transgressive, weird or do, do you know what I mean? Am I, I'm, I'm rambling now, but no, no people, people have gotten the... used to that over the
0: last 199 yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, No, I'm 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 the uh, designated rambler on this uh, show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any more? Have we got any more last questions? There was just um, yeah, we should wrap up. Yeah, Yeah, questions. Because uh, there was one question right at the beginning that we haven't. uh, I was just looking at yeah, Um, and it's it's um, from Peter who's who has left us now. But um, he said, who do you mainly get feedback from, especially on early drafts? Have you ever had a regular writers' group or similar? Um, well actually this is where we're actually thinking of um going going down that route um with with some of the masterclasses and things we're hoping to to develop more of this sort of a kind of you know kind of group um lo- looking at scripts and, and and helping people with their scripts we did one in uh in July i think which mm. went uh, went was was fantastic for me because no one else, and and in fact it was interesting because somebody said that uh, they really. Um, they were going to put their script in, but then they pulled out the last minute, and they really wish they had put it in because it had been really useful. Um, and I, I got some because they thought the standard
1: <laughs> would be really high. But fortunately, Dave <laughs> yeah, put his through. Like, oh right! Yeah. Oh, it doesn't have to be any good. Oh,
0: yeah. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not not to be afraid uh, yeah. if it's um, not we quite also up to at, standard.
1: And we also looked at my script, which wasn't funny till page seventeen, famously. Oh, so,
0: that, that was a very good Jamie Oliver joke. I remember. There
1: was that. a There was
0: a good Jamie Oliver joke. <laughs> at least page eight. Talking. yeah
1: something like that but in a way so yeah so on on the patreon uh, in the master class level as it were i think we're going to do some of those sort yeah. of script script reads because it is hard to get your stuff read and the way peter asked that um it was like yeah it is hard for me to know this script these scripts that i'm writing on spec as it were in a way i'm just gonna have to send them to producers who might produce them because sort of you know, my my wife checks them for typos and stuff, but she's not got notes about the the scene composition and, you know, the finale and all that kind of stuff, other than the fact that she she can say I didn't think this was as funny as that other thing you did, which frankly is still very helpful.
0: Very useful, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's not granular, and, and, and you know, nor, nor should it be.
0: Yeah. yeah, a couple of quick questions. Shane said, uh, you've done quite a few first 10 pages reviews for subscribers now. Have any general points, pros and cons emerged from them?
1: Yes, um, we have, and we're gonna to continue to do those. So if you join us on Patreon at that level, um, we record a little 10-minute, 12-minute podcast about the first 10 pages of a script which all the patrons can listen to um, so that we all get to benefit from it and they get to read the first 10 pages too. Mm-hmm. Have get, you, any... to the,
0: get to the plot is the always the... Yeah. Usually that's the number one point is that we we read 10 pages which are perfectly nice and fun and interesting characters and whatever but we don't get um, a story and that's partly because, again, this horrible confusion of... What is a story and what is an episode, and what is mm. the premise? And actually people think, well, if I'm just writing around the premise, then I've got a you know this, this is the, I've got an episode. No, you actually need something to happen as well that isn't the premise. Yeah. But then the character reacts, and how the character reacts to the thing yeah. is, is the premise. Yeah. Again, sorry about this, James, but take another drink as I mentioned. It's X's birthday, for yes. example. Yeah, yeah. that is not a premise. That's a story. But X is doesn't want anyone to know it's their birthday because they're getting old and they're feeling doom, and mortality, whatever. That's that's the theme. So uh,
1: there you go. So um, Gary says, can you look at outlines, too, or just scripts? Yeah, we'll do outlines as well. Sometimes it's much better to critique an outline. Christian says, how often can we get a first 10 pages review? We've not really had to police that very much. People tend not to chuck stuff in too often. And actually people join us on on that level on Patreon and still don't really make much use of it. I'm always surprised actually that more people don't send us more on that. Um, And then Marie says, um, Scott Dickers, uh, who is the co-founding editor of The Onion, uh, runs a writer's group where we read each other's scripts. It's incredibly useful. And the reason that Marie might know about that is because Scott Dickers, we interviewed quite a while ago and the Patreons have all listened to the episode, which has not gone up yet and will go up soon.
0: We um, promise. We promise. Yeah.
1: Um, so it was a really good, really interesting, in my view, interview. And I can say that because they weren't interviewing me. Um, so, um, so, yeah, it's it's. I, I really would recommend um, joining Patreon because... You know, we do. Re- we can do do that that first ten pages thing. Or if you join on the masterclass level, then you can be part of those sort of closed groups where we just talk openly uh, about scripts and, and really help each other. So yeah, um, right, you
0: know, I think we've covered everything. Uh, we have in the questions. Episode
1: two hundred in the bag, in the can, all done. Um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Lots of reasons to join us uh, on Patreon. Uh, It would be great to have you there. There's also the Discord uh, channel as well, uh, where people just chat about all kinds of things, what was on TV last night, as well as uh, off-topic subjects as well. But yeah, I think it's a good, happy place to be, as well as our secret Facebook group. But let's be honest, Discord is what you hoped Facebook would be like. So I recommend (laughs) joining just for the Discord group alone. Absolutely yes cool.
0: okay thank you ever so much everybody it's been a real pleasure to do all these and we've got um we've um we still feel like we've got that there's there's a mileage still oh yeah seven more we years we love doing it genuinely yeah. i yeah, mean we, really we, we would have yeah. stopped a long time ago i think if we didn't yeah. and uh, yeah. we're happy to keep sort of uh, cracking on through so yeah. um, do do join us and do yeah. be part of that and thank you for all of you who who have been a part of that to so now special big thank you as well to the british comedy guide of course yeah. who, who host this show and thank you to them as well and um, we'll be back again in uh, two weeks time with episode 201 and more to come cheerio Bye-bye. bye 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 the chambermaid all rolling to one she's <laughs> a boot black and the bottle
4: washer and the chef and Paul Ford and Mr. Stone's row from the quayside with the sun lounge on the B
3: side in the guest house by the seaside with constant dark